This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Hallelujah. Thank God for the new birth. Amen. Being born of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I've been thinking quite a bit about that, you know. Because everything changes when you get saved. <laughs> Imagine that. A lot of folk in the world don't even know about salvation. You know that? They don't even know about being born again. That's why Jesus raised up the church. That's our job. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Amen. Now, you know, I realize that with that comes the possibility that maybe somebody is not interested in what it is that you have to say. Ever run into any of those folk? Huh? Well, it doesn't, doesn't change the message that you have for them. Amen. Uh, it's, it's no less true. And so, praise God. Uh, Jesus came to seek and to save those that are what? What? Lost. Lost. I've never been lost in my life. Now, my wife, she thinks sometimes maybe that's not necessarily true, but never. Amen. Maybe... Maybe, uh, uh, you know, slight detour or something, but never lost. But no, the world is lost. That's the way Jesus described them. Even the Apostle Paul said that if our gospel be hid, it's hid to those that are lost. And, um, you know, that's where you, you don't know where you are. You don't, don't know where you're at. You don't, you don't know anything about what it is that's going on wherever it is that you're at. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. Praise God. Isn't that good? He that follows me will not walk in darkness. And the world, you know, the Bible says that the whole world lies in, the King James used the word wickedness, but that wickedness is the result of darkness. Yeah. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that don't believe. Well, thank God Jesus came. And he said that whosoever will call on him will be saved. Amen. What do I mean by that? I mean, when you recognize that you need a Savior, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and that you repent, you surrender your heart to him. You know, he wants all of your life. You know, it's, it's not cafeteria style. Well, I like this part of what, about what Jesus has got going, but I'm not so sure about this. No, it's either all or nothing at all. Are you listening to me? You know? Praise God, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And when people surrender their entire life to him, he said he would come and make his permanent dwelling place in their hearts. So we have something to be thankful for, those of us that have made that decision. Amen? Our lives will never be the same. Yeah, amen. The Bible talks about an inheritance that is yet awaiting all of us who have made him the Lord of our lives. Amen. But you know, um, thank God for the life that is to come. But you know, we're still here. And so, thank God for the instruction manual of life. It's called the Bible. And if we are willing, everybody say willing. willing. Yeah, if you're willing and obedient, the Bible says you'll eat the good of the land. And I like that concept, and I sure like the idea. Amen, I don't like hell on earth. I don't like consternation. I don't like frustration. I don't like hate. I don't like um, uh, just, you know, all kinds of mess that the world is in. The devil's peddling hate right now. I don't know if you are aware of that or not. 
And um, it's, a, it's a simple method of divide and conquer. The hell has its tactics. And so thank God the Bible says his love's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So even though the love of many will grow cold, it doesn't mean that yours has to. Now it may be put to a test. <laughs> Likelihood of that is, seems to be uh, increasing. But if you want to live successfully, if you want the blessing of God in your life, then you got to do it his way. How many of you know the Bible's true? Amen. You know, a lot of folk, they, they go about, you know, to try to disprove the, disprove the Bible. Uh, of course, hell's behind that too. The devil, you know, he knows his end. And he doesn't want to uh, fess up to that too much. So he does everything he can to try to tell people that the Bible's not true. But it is. And thank God we're smart people, aren't we? Y'all smart people? Everybody say, I'm a smart person. Yeah, you're a smart person. So what do smart people do? Well, they listen to what it is that somebody has to tell them, and they start practicing it. They start doing it so that the blessing of God can come in their life. Amen. Now, again, let me tell you, you know, you may be tempted. You know, we still live in this flesh, you know, world. And uh, sometimes your flesh... Uh, wants to do a lot of things that are contrary to what is right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, none of you, I mean, you've never had that happen before. Is that what I'm trying to, is that what I'm seeing here? No, of course. Praise God. But the Bible says that you and I are to renew our minds, not be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. So that takes a little effort on our part, doesn't it? In other words, start changing the way that you think. I'm not talking about thinking religiously. Religion won't do you a <laughs> it won't do you any good whatsoever. Because it's man's methods. You know, all these rules and laws, and you do it our way, and you know, if you want to be one of us, then this is the way we do it, and so on and so forth, huh? There's a lot of that in the world. Amen. Yeah, praise God. So, it's important for us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Glory to God. Did y'all bring a Bible with you this morning? That's not what I want to talk to you about. That's just the opener or the appetizer or the whatever. By the way, welcome all of you online. Delighted you can be with us here this morning from wherever it is that you're at. Hope you got a Bible there and something you know you can maybe take some notes with because uh, we want to share the Word of God with you and we want to help you in your personal life. But what we'd really like to do is we'd like to see you here live and in color. So why don't you just come on and join us sometime, praise God, and be a part of what it is that God's... Because, you know, there's nothing like the real thing. Amen? Yeah, I mean, thank God for technology and what it is that we can do, but, you know, you can't get near as excited when you're at home in your PJs. Now, some people may argue that point, but... <laughs> I'm just saying, hallelujah. So we'd love to have you whenever you can make it. Praise God. We've got people all over the country that watch us on television, you know, and uh, we're thankful for that. But don't let what you can do at home keep you from doing what you should be doing here. Right. Well, you know, I got a pretty good response there. You know, I, I, talk, I was just talking to one couple. You say, Pastor, I got to tell you, you are really good with waffles and a couple eggs. Well, all right, you know, but uh, 
if that's the way it has to be, uh, then okay, so be it. But maybe you ought to get your sad little backside up out of that bed. Mm, yeah, put on some decent clothes, maybe take a shower for once. No, not, I'm not saying once, for once, but yeah. Um, and uh, put on some smelly water, you know, and show up. Put a smile on the face. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And, you know, you have the ability, praise God, to be a blessing to others. Amen. It's not all about you. Amen. You might come to church. You might find somebody that's in real need. And you may have an answer that you can provide them. Or just to pray with them. Hallelujah. Or just to love them when, in, in whatever it is that they're needing. You can't do that at home. Huh? Amen. And that's not my message either. I, what, do you, what do you have between the message and the appetizer? A drink of water. Amen. Or something. All right. Let's open our Bibles together to the book of Genesis, chapter 8. If you can find that opening in your Bible. Genesis, chapter 8. So good to see all of you this morning. Thank you for being here. Glory to God. Did you enjoy Pastor Brian and his recliner thing? I said, where'd you get that recliner line? He said, I brought it from home. I said, glory to God. Thank God for props. Amen. person's got to do uh, what they got to do. Amen. Genesis, the eighth chapter. Let's go ahead and pray together, and then we'll get into what I want to share with you this morning. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so very much for each and every person that's both here and watching online. And we come before you, Father God, with intent to learn. And so, Father, with open hearts and minds, we come to you, Father, today and ask you to teach us by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the truth of your word, for the entrance of your word gives light, and it also sets the captive free. And so, Father God, we thank you for the instruction that comes from the word of God to help us in our walk with you, and we thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, if you'd look with me, please. I'm reading from the King James Bible. It says that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Aren't you glad for that? As long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed time and harvest. We're going to have seasons, and it shall not cease. This morning, I want to talk to you about sowing the right kind of seed. My wife and I, last week, we had the privilege of taking some time off, going out to the Black Hills, riding the motorcycle, and, you know, putting, I don't know, five, six, seven hundred miles on the bike, and had a big time. And on the way out there, you know, here, I mean, it's usually corn, beans, and hay, you know, and now if you go down south, maybe they, you know, down where our son Greg lives, they, they, they do peanuts and cotton. You know, and so they have these different kinds of uh, crops uh, that they grow in various regions of the country, you know, because of, you know, the optimization of climate and things of that nature. So anyway, we're on the way out there to South Dakota, and, and all of a sudden we come on this field. I mean, I don't know, I'd say probably hundreds of acres, and it's all planted, you know, in rows and things like that, and get to looking at it real close. Now, I've seen them before. Go with me on this. So anyway, uh, planted in rows and all this and that and the other. I get to looking at them real close and realize they're sunflowers. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid, my dad taking me out on a tractor 
and we'd be driving down, you know, in the middle of a cornfield, and he'd make me stand up on top of that tractor and look out. And he'd get up there, you know, he says, see that one there? He says, go get it, boy. And he'd give me a corn knife, and I'd go out in the middle of that cornfield after the sunflower. How many of you can attest to that? You know, it's kind of like, okay, uh, whatever. In other words, what was out there, we didn't want. And when it come to a cucklebur, now that's really bad. How many of you know about a cucklebur? Yeah, that's just bad news all over the place. And the rest of you, you know, the Bible says, let him that's ignorant be ignorant still. But anyway, so anyway, so he'd have me chase after him. So my point being is, is that, you know, when I see hundreds of acres of, now I realize these are different kinds of sunflowers and perhaps the ones I was chasing, but it seems so counterintuitive to me. Who in the world would want to plant that? You know what I'm saying? And so uh, anyway, uh, everything produces after its own kind. You know that, don't you? Some of you know, I mean, if, if I was like my son Brian, I'd bring you a big old sack out here, a super turf to, you know, grass seed and show you what it is that we planted out here in the southwest corner of the property. Because we had a big ditch that was cutting out and it was getting bad and the mower wouldn't go down through it like it was supposed to. And some people, when they drive a mower, if it's not theirs, they don't really care what happens to the mower. They just, <coughs> just saying, I'm just saying, you know. So anyway, if you take the ditch out, maybe at least it, you, you know, your mower will survive. And I'm not saying anything about you, Glenn. I, it's, it's the other people. <coughs> anyway, so we fixed it. But you know, wouldn't it have been strange if uh, my wife and I had to stop there someplace and found whoever it is that owned that property and say, hey, can we get some of them sunflower seeds? We're going to take them back and want to plant them in the, in the yard. Well, first of all, we get a crop we didn't want, wouldn't you say? Right. Not to mention the fact that if we planted sunflower seeds instead of grass seed, it just wouldn't look quite right. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Everything produces after its own kind. The reason I use these examples is to tell you that whether you realize it or not, whether you understand it or not, that you and I are always sowing some kind of seed. You can sow seeds of kindness, or you can see, sow seeds of hatred or uh, strife or all kinds of things. The decision is yours. And thank God again, God gave us his word to try to, again, help us out in our thinking. And not only that, but to tell us how it is that we should behave. Now, how many of you know we don't always do that? No, you know, in Deuteronomy, God said, I have placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So choose, what's the next word? Life. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. Now, again, let me just reemphasize the fact that what God says is true. I don't care what, you know, if you're a sinner or a saint, the reality is, is that what God, well, you say, I don't even believe in God. Well, that's your problem. That's, that's your first mistake. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. All you got to do is walk outside some night and look up into the stars and you can know that there is a God in heaven. Amen. Nobody could do it. Right. You think about the sun. I was always as a kid concerned that that thing was going to run out of gas. <laughs> Have you ever had that thought? I thought, man, baby, if that thing goes down, we are in trouble. But, but think about this with me. This thing has been burning for thousands of years, 
And we just so happen to be the appropriate distance from it. Now, depending on who you're talking about or who, you know, whatever. Today, there's a lot of mixed up folk. But anyway, uh, isn't it amazing that we can be exactly where we need to be to have the temperatures that we have so that you and I can live on this planet called Earth? Nobody can do that but God. There was no Big Bang that blew up, and all of a sudden, out of chaos came order. Are you with me? Every 28 days, man, the moon is going around without fail. These things are obvious, and the Bible says that. So, you know, if, if you're of the persuasion that there is no God, that might be the first place that you want to start and think about, well, maybe, possibly there is, because there is. Amen? Hallelujah. So now if you're on the other side of the equation, you say, you know, I'm a believer. I know, you know, I know there's a God. Well, good. Thank God for that part. Amen. But we need to be doers of the word that he's given to us and not just hearers only. Because if all you do is hear it, it won't do you any good. Right. I've been trying to get Joan to straighten up for I don't know how long. I said, baby, if you just obey the Bible, life would be so much better. <laughs> She's such a hard, hard <laughs> Huh? Hard nut to crack. Oh, hard nut to crack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you all know better than that, don't you? Amen. But here's the thing. <clears throat> you know, think about it in this context and see if this helps you at all. When you gave your heart to Christ and made Jesus the Lord of your life, I've said this many times, and it's true, everything changed. But you know, it's like God would take you by the hand and he would say, come here, I want to show you something. And he would walk you out into a, a garden. And, and it represents your life. And he would say, you see, see all of this that's, that's been being planted? Uh, we're not going to do that anymore. Here, I want to give you these kinds of seeds. Seeds of love, seeds of peace, joy, kindness, self-control. These are the things that I want you to start planting in, in this garden that represents your life and if you do it'll become beautiful and you'll be able to harvest from it such meaning and and fulfillment within your life if you'll just take the seed that i give to you and do something with it it's pretty simple huh huh wouldn't you say all right and so and 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 understanding that you know because since we become believers how many believers do we have here today how many of you might still be thinking about it? Okay. Sorensen, are you a believer? Oh, that's right. You got your arm there. You couldn't raise it right. Okay. All right. He's leaning on the other one. He's got the other one in a sling. He couldn't, you know, whatever. But, you know, when, when you become a believer, Christ redeems you. Hallelujah. Thank God for redemption. He redeems you from the curse of the law. When I was a kid growing up, I didn't, know I, I didn't even know I was under a curse. Spiritual things in, in my home, in my family, were not a priority. There was no attention given to it. We were the E and Seers. You say, what's that? Easter. Easter and Christmas. Go get a bag of peanuts and some candy and away you go. In other words, there was no value placed on spiritual things for whatever reason. You know, ain't no use throwing any rocks anymore. 
But for whatever reason, there was no value placed on spiritual things. Do you know how many people there are in the world today that have no value where spiritual things are concerned? Or they're chasing some kind of nonsense, you know, that they, you know, is supposed to be some kind of a self-help thing for them. But thank God, (laughs) the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven whereby a man or woman can be saved except the name of Jesus. Amen. But we've been redeemed from the curse. In other words, the disadvantage, the slavery, and the uh, uh, um, oh, uh, well, let's just say it this way, the slavery to sin and wrongdoing, uh, the power or the authority that darkness once had on your life has been broken. So you can't say, well, you know, I, I didn't know. No, he's, he's made you to know. And not only has he given you the information that you need. Now, understand that if you don't renew your mind to the Bible, there may be some things that you're without. God said, my people get destroyed because of what they don't know, their lack of knowledge. But there's something that Jesus Christ did, and not only that, he provided you with information, but he also provided or empowered you to be able to overcome, to stand against, to resist, to be a victor instead of a victim and start doing the will of God. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that? So we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and there's no longer any bondage. As a new creation in Christ, old things, the Bible says, have passed away. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that means we can't make excuses. Well, we can or we can't accuse someone else, huh? Or I guess we can, but you know the blame game. And today's society, baby, nobody wants to own anything. It is not my fault. And all that is is being passed down from the Adamic nature, Adam's nature. You know, when he sinned against God and disobeyed him, and God called him on it, he said, well, it's the woman you gave me. So he blamed the woman and God. Huh? Man's been doing that for a long time. And so have women, you know. So you're not going to get off the hook that easy. But God has empowered us by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to give us or, or enable us to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Everybody say amen. amen. So as we set out to obey Him, or at least endeavor, then when, what happens is we begin to set into motion God's divine law of blessing. You can be a sinner and do the will of God and get blessed out of the deal. Did you hear me? Yeah. In other words, there are laws. Now, here's another, this is a powerful thought for us to think about here this morning. You know, in the culture that we're living in, it's probably taken some years, you know, maybe decades or whatever, but what we've done is we've eliminated all absolutes. There are no absolutes. You can live however you want. You can do whatever you want. You can be immoral, you can behave this way, you can be this gender, that gender, you can be in the middle, you can be, I mean, it's getting so confusing now, I can't figure out what people think they are. And they sure don't know. Are you with me? So there's no absolutes. So what that does is it opens the door up to absolute and complete lawlessness. There are no laws, you can do whatever you want. Well, I got news for you. Well, let me say it to you this way. Yes, you can, but there are still irrefutable laws that God has put in place 
that when you violate them, there is a consequence coming as surely as I'm standing here this morning. But people don't believe that. And so they go their merry way, they do what they do, and then they receive the outcome or the harvest of what it is that they have done for so many years. Watch television. And you'll see that the, the majority of what pharma is trying to push to people has to do with all of these uh, STD transmitted diseases. Are you with me? So that they can at least try to thwart the effect of it. You keep doing your dirt, that's okay. But we'll sell you, you know, some kind of a medication or whatever the case might be or, or prescription to try to hold it at bay. Well, you know, I, I got a solution. Let's teach our kids abstinence. Let's teach our kids purity. Let's teach our kids to wait. Let's teach our kids, you know, uh, to live right and to do right and to find one person of the opposite sex, by the way, and spend the rest of their lives together, loving one another as God originally intended it. Now, a lot of folk, they don't like that, okay? Uh, if there are people that are watching, the chances are reasonably good. They are madder than a hornet right now because I made these statements. How dare you? Well, I'm just the delivery boy, okay? You know? And you're entitled to believe whatever it is that you want to. But I will tell you that what I just got done telling you is the truth. You know, when I was a kid growing up, uh, there was some semblance of care where morality was concerned. But then as, I, as we kind of got a going in adulthood and started having our own family, then all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, parents are instructing their kids that they ought to live together for a while to see whether they're compatible or not. And then maybe they should think about getting married. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. So what you want me to do, mom and dad, is you want me to live in sin, do wrong, and then I'll check it out. And if it's okay, yeah, we'll give it a go. Most of the time, when marriage is introduced in a situation like that, hell doesn't like marriage because marriage between a man and a woman is God's idea. So as soon as they make the commitment to marry, he tears it up. Oh, we should get so much smarter, shouldn't we? So teach your kids well teach them right. You say, well, it's too late. Well, I understand that. I mean, I grew up, you know, as a teenager, there's a lot of things I didn't know, and I can't undo what it is that's been done, but I sure enough can do something moving forward. Isn't that right? And so can you. It's just like, you know, when I ask you, the, you know, about sowing the right kinds of seed, you may be sitting there and going, man, dude, I, I, I sowed some wrong seed, you know, and I, this and that and the other. And that may be true. Again, you can't undo what's done, but you sure enough can do something from here moving forward. Isn't that right? Get it turned around. You know, sometimes, praise God, you just got to go out there and plow the field. You know? We used to have 40 acres of uh, alfalfa. And you know, there's gophers out there. My dad used to trap gophers. I don't want to get on this, you know, reminiscing trail. And then he'd make me out, you know, go out there and, you know, and bale them hay and, all of that. 
I was never so glad after about so long you got to, you got to, you know, plow it up. Oh, happy day. You know, hallelujah. Put some other kind of crop in there. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, you know, again, with our own personal lives, you know what, I mean, we need to, we might need to plow the field. But here's what you need to understand. This is what I want you to understand. There is a divine, everybody say divine. There is a divine law, everybody say law. A divine law of sowing and reaping. Now, please believe me. And a part of that law is that whatever a person sows, that is what they're going to reap. Huh? Let's look at it. Turn with me to the New Testament. Let's go over to Galatians chapter uh, 6. Galatians chapter 6. How many of you glad you came today? Praise God. Galatians chapter 6. And then um, while you're finding that opening in your Bibles, let me make a couple other comments. Just as there are physical laws, you know, in the physical universe, there are also spiritual laws which govern our lives as well. In other words, you know, we're all (coughs) familiar with gravity. And I mean, you know, if somebody said, well, I don't believe in gravity. I've just decided that I'm going to believe something else. So we take them up on the roof, and I think on this end of the building, it's about 30 feet high, maybe 32 with the parapet. I'm not sure, but let's get them up there on the edge and say, hey, Bubba, you don't believe in that uh, gravity thing? Give her a try. Well, guess what? You know, terminal velocity is 125 miles an hour. I don't know if you can get there in 30 feet, but I guarantee you, you're moving toward it. And when you get to something solid, last time I checked, when it comes to physics, no two pieces of mass can occupy the same space at the same time. So guess what? There is a reckoning coming to you because you told me there ain't no such thing as gravity and you decided you ain't believing it no more. The same thing is true with spiritual things. When you say you're not going to love anymore, guess what? You're going down the wrong path. When you say you're not going to forgive anymore, guess what? You're going down the wrong, you're jumping off the building. Okay? And so it brings a lot of problems. And one thing I think a lot of Christians don't realize is the simple fact that whether you're a sinner or saint, this divine law of seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping is real. And what I mean by that is, is that Christians, they, they've got the mistaken idea that because they're born again, they think they can, you know, just live however or any way that they want without a consequence. Now listen, here it is. Are you ready? Big, bold relief right here. Nothing could be further from that truth. Huh? So when we deceive ourselves and think, well, I don't care. You know, I I have my rights. I want my way. You know, I can do what I want. Yes, 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 and yes. But there's a consequence. We're talking about sowing the right kinds of seed in our lives. 
That's why, you know, there's a theology that's being preached here of late about what I, I call it greasy grace. Greasy grace. What's that mean? That means you can do whatever you want because after all, when Jesus came, you know, into this earthbound existence, he paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. So have at it. Guess what? You are a fool. Huh? But people like that because that way they can do their dirt and say, well, I'm forgiven. Well, here's the problem. A lot of times when people accept that kind of thinking or doctrine or theology, what ends up happening is, is then they can't find a place of real repentance from their heart because of them doing their dirt. So be careful about what you listen to. While I'm on the subject, you know, today, um, there's a lot of uh, people that um, <clears throat> espouse as being prophets. And um, I need to be careful here, but I'm a pastor. And so the Bible talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But you know, not everyone that says that they're this, that, or the other are. Now, I'm reasonably convinced that I'm okay in my role of pastoral ministry. And so if I'm the shepherd of the sheep, then I'm going to tell you what I believe to be true. Why? Because I love you and I care for you and I don't want you to go stupid. Right. This makes my job harder because then I got to go chase you down and say, dude, what are you thinking? But there, there are people today that espouse or call themselves prophets and the pro um, prophet's ministry is legitimate, you know? But there's a lot of things that have been prophesied that have not come to pass. So that tells me that what they're saying is not true. Because if a prophet says something, is it not supposed to come to pass? Huh? But if it doesn't come to pass, then it's probably, or we could say maybe they are not accurate. Now, anybody can miss it, even a pastor. You know, there's some times, you know, when I can get in the flesh and, you know, I'm sick and tired of these sheep. We're just going to go and shear them all, hang them up on a wall, you know, beat them a little bit, see if we can get them straightened up. Anybody can do that, Okay. You with me? Aren't you glad I've never done that to you? Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> so anybody can miss it. And I'm saying that these people, you know, uh, uh, same thing. But what I don't like about what it is that I'm hearing is, is there's no admission that I was wrong. They explain it away, and they just keep right on going. Be careful. I'm telling you, sheep, your shepherd is telling you to be careful about what it is that you're accepting from people. Are you listening to me? Because a lot of the stuff that's being talked about right now, it, some of it appeals to the desires of our flesh. You know, we see all this wrongdoing going on, and baby, we want there to be a correction. Yes. Don't we? But you know, 
that is not our place. And yet you can hear people, they're prophesying, you know, this and that and the other and the whatever. Be careful. That's all I'm saying. Okay? You know, judge righteously about what it is it's, you know, that, that you're listening to. Because the truth of the matter is, is, dude, you can hear, you can come across, you can get anything that you want to hear. And you can do it any day of the week. All right? Does that make sense to you? You know, uh, hopefully that explains. That was a side journey. That was like the, you know, that's when the waitress came up to your table and interrupted your meal and said, hey, have you ever thought about maybe having some of this? That's what that was. <laughs> Just a taste. It's free. And you said, well, sure, let's go for that. All right. I've used this before. Stephen Scott, he was writing a book, The Richest Man Who Ever Lived. It's a book, uh, if you don't have it, you should get it. It's on uh, Solomon and um, the book of Proverbs. And he makes a statement. He says, just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, Solomon reveals laws of living. Laws of living that invisibly govern all aspects of life. It doesn't matter how you feel about these laws, whether you love them or hate them. Whether you choose to ignore them or not, these laws still exist and they will govern your life. Now, it's amazing to me that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And yet that clown in the end of his days went stupid. Went stupid. Bill, you got it right. <laughs> who, 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 who can, you know, come up with... What do you have, like 300 concubines and about a couple hundred wives? Dude, that would drive any man crazy. I'm not talking about you, honey. Although one is enough. <laughs> Did you all find Galatians? Man, I am so much trouble when I get home. Y'all pray for me. You say, well, I ain't praying for you, man. You deserve it. <laughs> Whatever you get, buddy, that's yours. Okay. Well, anyway, <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Notice what it says here. Let him that's taught in the word, the King James uses the word communicate. Some of your Bible translations will say contribute to the support of those that teach you in all good things. It's proper for us to be people that give, pay our tithes in the church, wherever it is that you're receiving the Word of God, where you're fed. Bring all your tithes into the storehouse so there's meat in the house. And God said, prove me now herewith. See if I'll not pour out a blessing. A lot of folk don't believe that either. I say, well, you know, I ain't giving you all that money. Well, you're not giving it to me, so put down your rocks. You're doing what it is that He asked you to do. I didn't ask you to do it. I'm just reading the Bible. Are you with me? But people don't, you know, well, you know, <laughs> my dad, bless his heart, you know, I didn't grow up in a spiritual. He says, never make a pledge to a church. I said, oh, okay, why not? No, don't ever do that. Don't ever pledge anything to a church. Because churches like, you know, they like to get people, you know, to on the hook, commit, you know, pledge. And uh, he wasn't just about that. I don't know what my dad ever gave to the church. Probably hardly nothing. A little conscience money. 
throw a little, you know, a dollar or two, maybe five dollars in the offering and call it good. Well, I thank God, man. God has made and given us the privilege of sowing into the kingdom. So when you're giving and you're paying your tithes, you're not sowing it to men, you're sowing it to him. And he takes that seed and multiplies it. Are you listening? Now, if you don't have any faith for that, then, then you know, it ain't going to happen. But I tell you what, I happen to believe that the Bible is true. And, you know, people have said you can't outgive God, and they are right. Huh? The Bible says he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord will repay you for it. Huh? Maybe not next Friday. Maybe not next week. Maybe not next month. But baby, as sure as I'm standing here, listen, God doesn't forget anything. Huh? So it pays. How many of you still glad you came? So notice what it says here. Let's contribute to the support of those that communicate the Word of God, teach us in all good things. Now look at verse 7 real carefully. Be not, what's that word? Deceived. Deceived. God is not, what's that word? Mocked. Mocked. Well, people say they don't believe God. They don't believe what it is that he has said or prescribed or whatever. You know, it's a form, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Yeah, I got your tithe thing. You're just after my money. I remember one time we had a couple in our church, and they were giving, you know, and, they, and uh, the guy finally figured out how much he'd been given over a year. He says, man, that's a lot of money. Well, 10% of whatever it is that you gain is a lot of or can be a lot of money. Huh? Yeah. Well, he got to thinking about what he could do with that money. Well, you know, in the book of Malachi, the Bible says, will a man rob God? And they said, well, well, wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, in tithes and offerings. In other words, there's a piece of what it is that you make that belongs to him. And he's just asking for the piece. Isn't that right? You know, in the garden, God said, of all the trees and everything that's here, the herb yielding fruits, everything, all of it you can participate. But that tree right over there, that's mine. You know? So don't partake of that, because in the day that you eat thereof, you'll surely die. Well, Adam was deceived by, you know, Satan, and he says, hey, man, you won't die. Go ahead, go for it. And he stepped in or beyond what it is that God had told him to do. And, and the thing about it is, when you start talking about tithing, I mean, it's before, people say, well, <laughs> that's part of the law of Moses. Dude, people were paying tithes long before Moses showed up. Abraham gave a tenth to everything to Melchizedek who was a priest at that time. Jacob, he vowed a vow. He said, listen, if you'll get me back where I belong and get this thing straightened out that I made such a mess out of, he says, I will serve you all the days of my life and I'll give you a tenth of everything that comes to me. And he did. Are you with me? So there's lots of things there, you know, where the Bible talks about these things. And, and he says, don't be deceived because God is not mocked. He's not ridiculed. You know, people say, well, I can just do whatever I want. <laughs> well, yeah, you can, but there's a recompense coming. You know, it, it, you know, when you mock someone, it is to treat them with contempt. Okay? Or you could say it this way, to turn your nose up at them. Okay? Yeah, right. Whatever. Well, I'm just saying. Maybe there's another way to do this. 
So it says, don't be deceived, verse uh, 7, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, everybody say the next word, that shall he also reap. For if he sows, uh, for he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Now notice this, for in due season. Everybody say in due season. Yeah, you'll reap if you faint. So as we have opportunity, let's do good to all men, especially to those that are of the household of faith. Now, so how is it, what kind of seed are we sowing? Maybe a better way of, of saying it is, is how is it that seed is sown? Okay, how do we sow in our lives? Look at James uh, chapter 3 real quick. We gotta, I'm going to have to hustle up here. <clears throat> how about the things we say? Do people sow seeds in what they say? Yes. Sure enough. You can sow seeds of love or you can sow seeds of hate. You can sow seeds of kindness, or you can sow seeds of, you know, um, mocking, sneering, 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 sneering. How do you pronounce that? Well, anyway, yeah, you can do that too, okay? But notice what James said here in chapter 3, verse 8. He said that the tongue is something no man can tame. Hmm, it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things, this shouldn't be. Hmm. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. What am I saying to you? Everything produces after its own kind. Well, you're a believer. You're a child of God. His presence dwells in you. So thank God you can make sure that the water that's coming out of your fountain is sweet. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. You sure can. Glory to God. So here's the question. You know, what kind of seed have we been sowing lately, boys and girls? Woo! Sure got quiet in here. Well, Doug, let's start with you first. Camber, you want to tell us a little bit about that? No, no, let's not go there. No, when I ask the question about what kind of seed have we been sowing lately, you say, well, what do you mean? Well, I'm just talking about, for example, in the realm of, you know, your spirituality. What kind of seed are you sowing? Well, I don't know. Last time I was in the Bible was like three weeks ago, and I haven't been in church. And so, you know, this is the first time I've been here in a while. Well, then, praise God, we ain't getting much seed in the ground, are we? A little sparse. How are we doing spiritually? How are we doing relationally? Huh? You know? What kind of seed do we sow in the relationships that we have? What about in your job or your career? Well, I just hate this, man. I mean, I am sick and tired of this person, this, me, 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 Huh? You know, if it's not where you belong, then maybe you got to find someplace else to believe. Or, yeah, believe. <laughs> Be. Amen. So relationally, how, how are we, what kind of seed are we sowing in our job or career? Financially, we talked a little bit as far as 
giving. And so the way you and I sow is by what we do and what we say. Huh? And thank God, because of the Spirit of God in us, um, you know, we can sow the right kinds of seed. But here's an important point. The seed has to be planted, you know. Like I was telling uh, some of the staff and things, we've got to get this seed in the ground. Because if you wait too long, it ain't going to, well, it'll grow, but it won't, it won't last. It won't make it, you know. It'll all look all fuzzy and everything. And then about springtime, the weeds... Everybody say weeds. weeds. Yes. We'll come on big time, and that'll be the end of it. So you got a window to sow the seed. Everybody's called me the grass whisperer. I am pretty good at what I do. But if you're wanting to plant grass seed now, you are almost too late. Okay? Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'm going to guess that none of you really care. All right, great, good. But so the seed has to be planted, but it takes time. Everybody say time. time. To get a harvest. You know, 112 days ago or whatever it was, the farmers went out and they put all this stuff in the ground. All right? You know, it takes faith to do that because the seed salesman says this is 102 day corn or whatever the number is. 105, and I don't know. Is there. Is there Shorter terms of corn than that? A little. But anyway. So in other words, they plant the seed in the ground. They know a hundred and whatever days, here it is. You're going to get it. But how many of you know it takes faith? I mean, they go out there in that field. There ain't nothing out there. And they spend all this money. They got all these input costs. They put fertilizer on it. They do all this. Why? Because they're doing it in the hope of getting what it is that's happening right now. Some of the farmers this year are getting some of the biggest crops that they've ever gotten. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, that's better than nothing. You know what I'm saying? There are other places in the country, they got nothing. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I was just talking to one of my pastor friends up there. Uh, July the 6th, if they didn't get a, if they didn't get a, a rain on, by July the 4th, they, were, they, were just, they just went out and cut whatever was there, made silage out of it, tried to feed it to cattle or animals or whatever they could. Because it was over. So it takes faith to sow the seed. In other words, I have an idea or, or an imagery or whatever it is that I want when it comes to my marriage or when it comes to my children or when it comes to what I do as far as my occupation and ministry. Well, if I don't sow the right kinds of seed, I'm not going to get the harvest that I want. It's just, you know, that's pretty simple. So, you know, if we want something better, then we got to make sure that we're throwing the right kind of seed in the ground. So what happens a lot of times is, <clears throat> number one, it does require faith to sow the right kind of seed for the right kind of harvest. But I'll give you the example. Let's go to marriage. Marriage, uh, you know, generally, just two fundamental general principles in order to have a good marriage is love and respect. Isn't that in the Bible? Okay. Now, <clears throat> I can violate that. I can be uh, loveless toward my wife, and I'm going to get a less than wonderful harvest. She can be disrespectful, you know, 
And you know, the Bible says showing reverence. And I know, you know, people have, I mean, people are so screwed up that they don't know their role as God has created them. Are you listening to me? Now you can't even call a woman a woman. How stupid is that? And yet, there's a whole bunch of people out there that think, yeah, that's right. You know, we got we to gotta take that out. You know? In other words, when back and during the women's lib deal, you know, it's like, I am woman, hear me roar. Well, now it's, I am, I don't know what, hear me roar. I don't want to hear you roar. You know? You say, well, you're a chauvinist. Yeah, call me what you want. But I can tell you this much about it. There is a pre prescribed method and way of doing life that God has given to us. Huh? That if we'll learn to do that, we won't have problems. Are you with me? As much as I am required to love her, she's required to love me. As much as she's required to respect me, I have to respect her. Wouldn't it be great if people just do what the Bible tells them to do? Huh? And we don't have time to get into that. You can read in Ephesians chapter 5 and 21. I mean, it says, hey, husbands, love your wives. And women, see to it that you show respect or deference to your husband. Amen. You say, well, I don't like you very much. Well, talk to her. Maybe she can help you out. <clears throat> I like what Fred Price, the late Fred Price, said. He said, if a man is loving a wife like Christ loved the church, then that woman will have no problem deferring to him as her husband. It's a two-way street, okay? So um, before you get all, you know, knotted up about the whole deal, just, just understand that there's a, a path here. We're talking about sowing the right kind of seed. You still glad you came? All right, good, because I'm, I'm looking at your faces and I'm getting all kinds of inf inspiration. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sowing the right kind of seed means exercising godly character even when others don't. I'm just going to let that sink in. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it again. Sowing the right kind of seed means exercising godly character even when others don't. You know, sometimes people have a pity party. They want to pout. Guys will do this. Sometimes women do too, you know. Am I in the right house? Boy, you know, the inspiration that I'm getting right now from, from the congregation is just like, wow, so powerful. This is where we live. So, so I can either play into the hand of pouting, or I can say, well, you know what, honey, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But, you know, this, this, is, this is what needs to happen here because God wants the best for our lives. So I hope that in that context we'll be able to work that out, you know, or whatever. I mean, I don't know what the scenario is, but you get it. So, the, so everybody say it together. There is no room, is no room. in my life for pouting. Praise the Lord. Wednesday night, our word was avoid. Okay, how many of you were here for that? Yeah, avoid. Today, the word is no pouting. Everybody say it together. One, two, three. No 
there you go. No pouting. You say, man, I tell you, that pastor really helped me. He said to avoid and don't pout. <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you don't get anything else, you know. Now I realize, you know, when people want to fight and you choose not to, it makes them matter. Doggone it. Huh? Yeah. <clears throat> it's important. Now, here's another thing for you to understand. Don't pay for the turf that you've already come to occupy. In other words, don't go backwards. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, um, as couples, whether it's, you know, Ted and Phyllis or Greg and Pam or anybody, Bill and Mary, you know, different people, we're sowing seed. And we're sowing the right kind of seed. We're sowing good seed. What's that mean? We're saying what we need to be saying. You know, you, you, you could say some things properly, right? Instead of dressing somebody. Some people are so in the habit of how they behave themselves, they don't even know if you listen. I mean, if they could listen to themselves, they go, my God, what am I doing? Are you listening to me? Because it, it's become so habitual in what it is that they're doing that they don't think anything. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The way sometimes that you see people treat one another, and especially true in, in marriages, you know, if I wasn't a child of God, you know, or a pastor, I'd do some correcting of my own. But I don't have that privilege. So you just go, oh my gosh. It's no wonder. Listen, let me, let me say something else. This is, the, 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 the waitress is interrupting us again because she's got another freebie. Are you with me? Now I can't remember what I was going to tell you. It's really good too, Bill. It'll come back to me. Okay. This is an interesting message. <clears throat> well, anyway, I was going to tell you about spending all this time working your field, planting the right kind of seed. You know, what you don't want to do is you don't want to destroy all the efforts that you've put into it. Isn't that right? You know, it's like guys will um, go out in the fields and they'll plant their crop and the thing comes up and it gets watered and it's coming along nicely. And in one night, they can have a hailstorm and the whole thing's gone. Huh? Well, the same thing's true with you and your relationship. Listen, put a watch over your lip, dude. Tie your tongue in a knot and shut up. Because you can do more damage in about five minutes when you've been working all this time and then all of a sudden you decide, baby, we're going to have a knockdown drag out. Now, I know you're a Christian and Christians never do this. I, I understand that. You never fight. I know that. So we're talking about the people that aren't here today. Okay. But I am telling you that in five minutes you can destroy what you've been working on for months or months or years. Because some people can have a pretty sharp tongue. When you leave today, people say, well, what did the preacher have? You know, what did he preach on? You can just say, man, it was powerful. <laughs> this is where we live. I'm going to help you, dude. I got to call you. 
out. Huh? Hmm. I'm not sure any of you believe that or not, you know. You know, I just say it this, this way. There are certain things in your married relationship. I'm using marriage. You know, we're talking about sowing the right kinds of seed. There are certain things in your marriage relationship that you never, everybody say never. never. You never do. Never. In other words, there needs to be some absolutes in, in your relationship that you never do. Because if you do, it's a seed that you've sown. And your ability to dig that thing out and get rid of it can be extremely challenging. You say, well, I sure have sown a lot of bad seed. Well, remember what I said to you in the beginning of this message. It's not what happened back then. It's what we're doing from here forward. Some guys and gals, they need to repent. It's getting better, isn't it? Yeah, they do. There, there, there is no remedy for what's going on in the relationship except to repent. Get your own heart cleaned up before God and start doing things right. Now, what they do, that's their deal. Huh? Joan's been trying to fix me for 44 years. 48, actually, we've been together. No luck. You know, I, I got enough to deal with with me that I don't have to worry about trying to get her straightened out. Okay. That's that's pretty good advice, Pastor. I like that. But if I work on how I am to love her and what I can do to love her. And what demonstrates love to her. And I, and I make that my ambition, everything going to be okay. Huh? Some of you, you got all kind, you ain't sowing the right kind of seed, so you don't get the other seed that you're wanting to have because you ain't sowing the right kind of seed. Do you need an interpretation for that? Some of you get that later. Are you with me? You know, you talking all ugly. You know, and give them a hard time, and then when the lights go out, you're all lovey-dovey. Guess what, dude? You are going to probably be hugging an ice cube. <laughs> and it's her fault, by golly. Oh, really? What about all that other stuff previously? We're talking about sowing seed. Let's see, what's the age group in here? Okay. Few young ones, but anyway, is this all making sense to you? How am I doing? Pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah. She asked me once in a while, What are you preaching on? And I'll just say, Well, you know, sowing the right kind of seed in your life. Oh, that sounds good until we get here. There's just certain things in our married lives that are non-negotiable. We don't ever say them. You don't ever say, I hate you. You don't ever use the word divorce. You know, I mean, you know, things like that. I mean, yeah, you don't do that. You say, well, I'm not, yet, I'm not there yet. Get there. Amen. 
Whatever the measure of sowing determines the measure of harvest. Huh? I want my wife to love me. Not because she has to, because she wants to. Huh? So I'm going to do what I can do to see to it, to be mindful of her needs. All right? Simple thing. Not a big deal. But when we were first married, you know, we didn't have a whole lot. And she'd come out of a home where, you know, her father took pretty good care of her. And that's okay. Everybody say, that is okay. Well, here I am, a beater that's still trying to get my life figured out and, you know, head in the right direction and develop some income and so on and so forth. And, and um, um, I don't have a lot. But one of the things I did determine as we kind of moved up, you know, when it came to, you know, uh, what it is that we drove, I, my determination is, is that my wife would always be in a new car. Okay? Simple enough. Now, there's nothing wrong with a used car, Bill, so don't, you know, just put down your... But I don't want my wife and our family out on the side of a road someplace, whatever, whatever, having problems. Not that that can't be solved, not that that's not a... You know, there's a solution to that, but I mitigate any of that if I have her in a new car that is reliable. Isn't that good? Huh? So I drove used cars. Pickups. Everybody say, ooh. Yeah, thank God for pickups. I never had a new car until I was 55 years old, okay? But I don't care, because why? Because I want her to be in a new car. Simple. Isn't that right? A lot of guys aren't like that. Dude, they got to have a truck that you got to have a ladder to get up in. And they got wheels on this sucker, you know, that like, I don't know what size they are, you know? And, you know, big motor all these kinds of things. And what's she driving around in? Some like Volkswagen beater bug or whatever. You know? There's something wrong there. That's a little bit drastic, but you get the point. Isn't that right? Biggest problem in married relationships, and I am going to quit, is people are selfish. Oh, oh. That's right. You had to have a love war sometime. Your life would be a lot better. <laughs> Woo-wee. We are hitting a chord. Like I said, it doesn't matter about what's going on in the past. It's what we do moving forward. Isn't that right? Tell your wife you're sorry. Tell your husband you're sorry. That's, that's huge. That's great seed. Are you with me? I, I say it all the time. I apologize to my wife at least once a month for the way that I treated her when we first, you know, well, when we were dating, then when I first got saved. I was an idiot because no one ever told me. Nobody taught me how to treat a woman. I learned on the street. And guess what? Poor teacher. Poor teacher. And so you got to unlearn and start learning. I just, I, I am ashamed sometimes when I think about it. It's like I don't even want to go there in my thought life, but I do. And then I go to her and say, baby, I am so sorry. Clown? You know? 
The only thing I got to, the only thing I got to, you know, fall back on is I didn't know. Dads, teach your boys how to treat a gal. Moms, teach your girls how to behave. Some girls do the way they behave now. I mean, there has been a switch. Teach your kids to be modest. Some kids, you know, they go out the door. It's like, what in the world is that? You know? And what's really weird about it is, is that, you know, they want the acceptance. They want to be popular. They want all these things. But what they don't know, dude, is they are communicating a message that is not at all what they intend. Well, maybe they do intend it, but I'm telling you, more likely than not, they didn't. Don't let your kids go out the door looking like, you know, whatever. I'm talking to mostly people that have already gone through that old deal, but for the rest of you, hallelujah. Well, where do you unplug from this? Terry, Wanda, you got any ideas? None. Okay. Well, let's read a scripture, see if that helps. This comes from the uh, English Standard Version. This is something Paul said. The point is this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or compul under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace to abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to every good work. He who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce such thanksgiving to God. Dear friends, let's, let's, uh, let's work on the seed that we should be sowing. Amen? And if you need to have a... I know some of these things are not easy to do, but do it. Because there's great grace that will rest upon your life. Are you with me? It's never too late to begin sowing the right kinds of seed. And like I said, you know, may require some changing and repenting and all of that. But you know what? You can do that. All right? So I expect before the nightfall that you're going to go home to your spouses if you got one. And you're going to get her all straightened out. Well, you might not get it all straightened out, but let's start sowing the right kind of seed. Amen? Hallelujah. Why don't you stand with me? I could talk for a long time. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Bless you, Father. I'd like for you just to bow your heads with me for a moment. If we could have everyone's eyes, heads bowed and eyes closed. You know, some of the things that I talked about uh, this morning, um, in, in, the truth is, in reality, it can, it can be a pretty painful kind of thing. And that was not my intent. And please know that, um, no, that wasn't my intent at all. But it does solicit some emotional responses that can be, well, very challenging. And I want to pray with you. We're not making light of all of these things, but there's a place that God has for all of us, and there are things that he wants to do in our lives, and I know you know that.
And that's what I want. I want the best for you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all of those that are here within the sound of my voice, those also that may be watching online. And, God, I ask you to help us to sow the right kinds of seed in our relationships and in our jobs and careers and our spiritual lives and, you know, even in our families with our kids. I pray, Father, that you'll give us wisdom And not only that, Father, but that you will help us to be careful not to step into the trap of our adversary, the devil, by saying something we should not say or doing something we should not do. God, help us to grab hold of the reins within our lives and bring the kinds of changes that bring grace and blessing to each and every one of us. Father, I pray for those that are here today and again, those watching online that have been hurt by words that have been spoken, things that have been done. And those things, Father God, that have, well, they've impacted their lives in a negative way. I ask you, God, to heal them. I ask you by your spirit to minister to their hearts right now. Help them to know, Father God, that in their own character, in their own behavior, that they themselves can do the things that are right and know that you will reward them openly. And I thank you, Father, for your grace in their lives, the sufficiency that comes only from you. And Father God, I ask you to help us, all of us, to grow in our character. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. May our speech, may the things that we say, Father, be filled with your grace, your kindness, and your love. Lord, let the words that escape our lips be words that build up and edify. Yes, thank you, Father. And I just thank you, Lord God, for helping marriages and families within this church to grow in your grace and become strong, Father, as you would have them to be. Let this be a priority in our lives, Father, to do these things, to put these things first so that your blessing may abound. Now, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around. You know, again, there's a lot of things that we've talked about and we've even laughed about, but I sense, at least within my own heart, that there are those that, in talking about these things, well, it's been very difficult for you. But I tell you, God wants to help you and he wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to give you a peace and a grace that only he can give. If you find yourself in that, that place right here, right now, and you say, God, I need your help. Can I see your hand wherever you may be? This is not, thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Yep, thank you. Bless you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. You know, anybody else? Some of you, you're in relationships where maybe your spouse is not a believer. And that can be very challenging. But I tell you what, God can give you grace. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. Who else would join these? Hallelujah. Yes, thank you bless you. 
anybody else. Sometimes we, we put on our best, you know, but really at the end of the day in our lives, we, we've got pain. And God wants to invade that. Anyone else before we pray? Yeah, thank you, sir. Anyone else? All right, Father, you've seen these that have responded. And God, I'm asking you to help them. Cause there to be a grace upon their lives, an understanding that helps them to see with clarity their role, their responsibility, and that which they need to do. Father, we pray for those that are in their lives that have, um, well, caused the breach. And Father, I'm asking you by your Spirit to bring about permanent change in their lives. And God, I thank you for a divine flow of forgiveness. And Father God, for grace. And Father, for a renewed commitment to doing what is right so that your blessing, Father God, can flow in their lives. And I thank you so very, very, very much for that. In Jesus' name.